0: She's Julie Roxanne,
1: and he's Alistair, and And this this is is Far Out,
0: Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. In the middle of the night, Indians like to, when there's a wedding, they get massive speakers, put them on a cart, and then roll down the main streets of the town, Blasting it and dancing like maniacs Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: It looked. I thought it looked good. It did
0: look good. It was stylish. I remember seeing you like oh my god shaved head Well nice little style thing (laughs) on the side there. Not bad. (laughs) Kind of works, okay?
1: Hey, it's really hot here. Let's go somewhere cooler and Why not go together because we're having such a good time
0: Traveling you're forced to make the decision to stay together every day because you're going new places and you constantly have to say, do I want to go there? Making space for change, a lot of space for change, respecting the other person's freedom and choice have always been really important to us. So two weeks after we met, we go on a 40 hour train ride together.
1: I looked like a bum, honestly, I don't even know, with the shaved hair and the, and the, the loose t-shirts, and the, I looked like a bum, really. Food in Darjeeling might be the only reason why I want to go back there. That's
0: why we stayed there so long.
1: Ah, it's true! Well, hello, listener! Howdy! <laughs> Hey, welcome to a new episode of Far Out Podcast. We're so excited you're here.
0: Yes. Yes, thank you for being here, our loyal listeners. This week, we're talking about part two of how we met. So it's actually what happened after we met. And we go on a digression about falling in love and how we were thinking about love at the time and how we still are thinking about it. And we share our early adventures as a couple.
1: Let's get into it. Let's
0: get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning.
1: <laughs> Do you think people are going to think it gets old?
0: I don't know. It's my thing. You oh, know, yeah. Like John Oliver's got his welcome, welcome, welcome. It's true.
1: You're right. No, no, I think it's your thing. You got it. You yeah. found it. It's yeah. great. <laughs> You're just jealous. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing for, and like, Another time at this, and I was just thinking, do people think that I'm faking this laugh? I'm not. I'm not. Alistair just does stuff all the time, and I laugh all the time. I'm a very good audience, too. But we laugh a lot together. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. Good sign. So, well, hello! Hi!
0: So, this, this week, we're going to do part two of how we met. And we're just going to get right into this one.
1: Yeah. We're picking up right where we left off, where... Alistair just walked through the gates of the guest house where I invited him to come and stay because... Yes,
0: the guest house built on the palace wall that used to be the former elephant stables with bats in the cracks, rats running down my bed, (laughs) monkeys terrorizing us from the roof, (laughs) and Nima's holy (sighs) tali, the food of the gods, and the the sacred... 700,000 year old tree that all the women in the town do pujas at they walk around clockwise mm. this is the setting for where our romance begins
1: yeah and this is india by the way i don't think we've said this y- yet on this episode if you haven't checked out our first part for this you should it's it's probably a good place to start Oh, uh, you know well you just can get start whenever yeah yeah, yeah yeah
0: i would recommend just going with it and if you like it, go back and get the backstory. It's a good one.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. So I asked Alistair to come and come and live in this guest house where I was living, and not in any romantic. This was a platonic way. Way. Yes.
0: invitation at this point.
1: Yeah, he.
0: But we both felt that there was some significance to our meeting in the chai shop the other day, mm-hmm. and a significance to the invitation and the decision to come. So there was some charge.
1: Yeah, and well, when you came in through the doors, I know I said this already in the last episode, but I was so pumped. I was so, so excited to see you with your backpack. Because it meant like, he's moving in. He's not just coming by for chai. So that was really, really nice. What a go from there. I think things unfolded pretty naturally at the guest house. There was a lot of other travelers there that I had been hanging out with. A nice tight group of friends.
0: We started writing together. We spent the days mainly riding together. There was a group of us, so we would have dinners at night and spend our off hours hanging out in the garden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. We had, There were some interesting travelers there. Actually, a woman that I had met in Romania had yes. connected again with me, I think, on Facebook. And she happened to be in Bundi of all places. And so she came. Yeah. And uh, we had, there was uh roberto
1: yes the spanish
0: traveler he was traveling through india on his bike yeah incredible story
1: yeah and we it was just a perfect little group of people we as you said it was very chilled relaxed days and having dinner all together at night under the stars in raj's beautiful garden and you've got to imagine that this is like summer Or not even the heat of summer yet, totally. It's it's getting there, but the nights are just the perfect temperature, where you could stay outside and sleep outside if you yeah, wanted Yeah,
0: days to. were not the perfect temperature, but the nights were. The yeah. days were starting to get hot, there were starting to be brownouts during the day as far as electricity, wasn't always reliable. Mm-hmm. And Bundi is this beautiful royal town around the palace. So, I mean, we're calling it a town, but it's a small city. I mean, there's nowhere, in, there's very few places in India that are truly towns. Yeah. So you go down these alleys and it's just houses, you know, stacked on top of each other on both sides. Beautifully colored houses. You look in and you just see interesting hallways and there's cows walking freely down the street. There's monkeys terrorizing you everywhere. And there's just always sounds. There's always something going on. If it's the middle of the night, There's wedding celebrations. In the middle of the night, Indians like to, when there's a wedding, they get massive speakers, put them on a cart, and then roll down the main streets of the town, blasting it and dancing like maniacs. Mm -hmm. You can wake up at two in the morning. You think you're hearing cannons. Yeah. And it turns out, no, it's a wedding celebration. (laughs) And why is there three in a row, three nights in a row, I'm never going to get a good night's sleep? What (laughs) the hell?
1: Alistair doesn't notice, but this is what I have planned for a wedding, in two months, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's, it's something else. But it's it's a magical place. It really is like the Jungle Book. It is wild, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very it's it's just there's magic in the air at night when it gets dark and it's dusk and the stars are coming out and the bats are flying through the trees and you can hear the chanting in the, in and the and the, the
1: the monkeys live on the hill and not in the town. But they go in the town during the day because that's where they get food, and then. At sunset, if you're at the right spot, you can see all the monkeys migrating back to their nests and their place of sleeping. The mummies with the babies under their bellies. And it's oh, it's so, so magical.
0: And we have this great group of travelers. And we have a great guest house with uh, a great host, Raj and Nima. They have their two-year-old daughter.
1: Uh, Pari, Pari. And they also have a some, like... 11 12 year old, that's name, whose name is Ayushi. Yeah,
0: and they felt like family.
1: They really did. Yeah, they really, really did.
0: So, we had a wonderful, blissed out week there with the whole tribe. And during then-
1: that week, during that week, I had uh, something kind of intense happen to me, and it's complicated to really understand why because I'm not, I'm still not sure why myself, but I woke up one morning feeling really, really depressed. And feeling like my hair was dead. So at that point, I had like fairly long hair, I'd say around, uh, my, like the bones, you know, collarbone. the collarbones. So like around <coughs> there. Yeah. A lot of reasons came and I really woke up and felt like, whoa, that, that hair. I don't want that hair on my head anymore. I really don't want it. It felt like it, it was like a dead fur or something. And, uh, and so I remember that date talking, t- talking to my friends, Alistair was always like up first thing in the morning and going to get his coffee to write and being very serious. I used to hang out and get up late and be, uh, be a bit more relaxed. And, um, uh, and so I, I was telling my friends like, guys, I think I might need to like shave my head. I don't know why i I've. I've I had never done this before, I I have had short hair but not shaved head, but I don't know, that's the only thing I could think about, is I just want to buzz it off, and my friends were like, you're crazy, just like, don't do anything, please sleep on it, this is like one of your crazy ideas that you have today and tomorrow it will be gone, and he just kept gnawing at me, that's the only thing I could think about all day, and then Alistair came back from his uh, writing routine thing and at this point we were just friends and 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 like having fun and enjoying each other's company and I was sitting on my stairs because the 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 bedrooms you had like little stoops to go out in the garden and I was sitting there and he came back in I was like hey Alistair come here and uh, he sat down with me and I was like how is your morning and and then I said like how do you think I would look with short hair and you said oh, I don't like women with short hair. Don't do it. No, just, I don't like it. And, no, no. And so, but you, I don't think you said don't do it. You just really said, like, I don't like women with short hair. Yeah, fair. And and so, okay. But the next morning, I woke up, and that was still very, very intense, and I still really, really needed to do it. And um, Roberto who uh, was the Spanish sleeping in a tent and hitchhiking at that point uh, guy, he had the the sides of his head were shaved. And so he had a razor, an electric razor. But he was leaving that day. He was like packing up his tent and everything. And so I woke up, got out there on the sunshine, started my day, could not stop thinking about it. And then I was like, Roberto, give me your razor. And I went back into my room and I kind of like locked my door. And the first zzzz through my hair was insane. I was like, oh my God, I'm actually doing this. I saw, I saw the hair falling off and it was very intense. And so at the end, I had to ask my friend Theo, who uh, was traveling with me to help me because I couldn't get the back and do it well. And... Yeah, and so half, like 20 minutes later, I came out of the room and I had a shaved head.
0: Yeah, and that was quite a shock.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I remember I was so freaked out about what you were going to think.
0: And you kept uh, little long pieces on both your temples like a a Jewish person. Yes, yes, I
1: did, yes it looked Uh, i thought it looked good it
0: did look good it was stylish i remember seeing him like oh my god shaved head well nice little style thing (laughs) on the side there not bad kind of works okay and it wasn't just a shock for me it was a shock for raj oh
1: my god raj was so upset at me he actually i could tell that this was very intense and that if i spoke the language he would have told me a lot of things in but he's his English was pretty basic, so he kept quiet. But every time I he saw me, uh, he would like kind of I could catch a, like angry look or something, like not happy about it. And that happened like the whole day was like that. I went over to uh, Nima to ask her for that the dinner, and she was like, "Julie, why you do this?" And I said, uh, "I needed to," and I didn't know if she was gonna understand, but I said it with the most heartfelt way. And she was like, oh, okay. She got it. But Raj was super pissed. And then at dinner, he was looking at me. And then he, I said, Raj, I know you're really upset at me right now. And he said, uh, no, no, Julie, okay. Okay, this time, okay. Next time, no no
0: <laughs> it, it's worth having some <laughs> cultural background which is that indians or the women shave their heads after usually the husband or the father or the male figure dies
1: uh, so i didn't know that at the time uh, i only figured that out later it's but... a very
0: serious gesture yes. to do uh, as an indian yes and for you to do it
1: and if you, if you remember in the first part of this uh, story I told that I was in a relationship with a traveler at the time mm-hmm. and he left one day because he went on to travel and I shaved my head the next day.
0: So it looked like you had shaved your head because he left.
1: Okay, yeah, exactly. So Raj was really upset and uh, we moved past it, but it was it was a strange time and then Roberto left. That person that I was in a relationship with left, and my my friend who I was traveling with Theo left as well. And all of a sudden, we were just the two. It was of just us, us. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was a bit of a surprise.
1: I also I was relieved at the time. I remember because I had been surrounded by people nonstop for a month and very very socially active, and I think I enjoyed it, but I was also craving some uh, quiet quieter time
0: as was i i had been traveling pretty at a pretty fast rate i had left jisomer because i got a virus on my computer and i needed to go back to new delhi to get the computer parts Mm. to solve that and then somewhere around there i got pretty sick and by when i was coming to boondi i was still recovering from that and then holy was just so crazy and then we had the whole group and i was looking forward to some peace and quiet as as close to peace and quiet as you can get in India at least
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah the the first day where everyone was gone it was just the two of us and i remember having this really uh heartfelt feeling sense that That we were both like these very old souls and that uh, we could be together without having to talk to each other and make small talk and that we could just cohabitate this way and enjoy a relationship and a connection that had meaning without having to use words. And I think that night was pretty magical and romantic, so it's kind of hard to not yeah, things kind of unfolded in a way that surprised both of us, I think. But I remember that when we met on the day of Holy, I I reread some of the things I was writing at the time. I was writing a book, as I said, and uh, the book was largely based on what was happening around me. And so uh, one of the characters that was kind of based off of you, he and the main character were having a very intense like creative relationship and that was kind of what i first saw is that oh alistair is this guy where um i could have a really intense creative relationship but at the time i was only thinking like writing and and things like that and it unfolded in so many different ways
0: yeah i have a a journal entry from that week where we spent alone uh and i'll I'll read a part of it because i think it's kind of interesting to look back on two years later this is on the 24th of March, so that was, what, 10 days.
1: That was 10 days after we met, 4 days after that night where we were holding hands. and
0: Yeah. That. I catch myself thinking really far out with Julie already. I was still calling you Julie at the time mm-hmm. until you, we hadn't talked about it and realized <laughs> that you prefer Julie Roxanne. Sikkim, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Vipassana, France, England, Romania are all places I can imagine going with her. I know it is unreasonable to plan for that, but it's nice to dream about. At the same time, being with her beyond Boondi scares me. I don't know what will happen when we leave this place that has been so perfect and so magical. It will be harder. It will test the relationship, and part of me is scared it won't survive. Part of me wants to leave it here in Boondi where it can remain a perfect memory. Julie called it surreal. That's a good description of the last few days but i doubt it can stay like that however i want to see where it goes i'm not ready to leave it here in boondi just wary about shattering the perfect bubble we've been in
1: it was a perfect bubble
0: it was it was a very magical time and that was a real question for me whether it would have been a great memory you know a great travel memory you could just leave it like that you could always look back on it it would have been a jewel Uh you know uh and it felt really risky at the time to consider traveling together because i have to remember that as travelers we had no plans we were both wandering through india we didn't know each other that well although we connected really deeply really quickly we were still kind of like, okay, well, you know, we don't even know what each other's financial situation is or obligations. And I had been wandering around the world for a year with no commitments Uh or obligations, and you had been doing likewise. So the idea of traveling together was really freaky, and also the idea of seeing a dream shatter, you know. We had this amazing thing, and then if it broke... I knew it was going to be hard.
1: Yeah, I also knew it was going to be hard, but at the same time, I I didn't see that we could do it any other way. The reason why we started thinking about leaving was uh it was getting blistering hot in couldn't 20, go outside. Like it was like 100 degrees fahrenheit 40 degrees more than that that during the day i mean it was really really hard it
0: was somewhere between we were getting now we're getting close to like monsoon and so before monsoon happens the temperatures peak and we're talking somewhere between 100 110 degrees fahrenheit with no air conditioner and rarely even electricity at this point during Mm -hmm. the day it's it it is almost a wasteland
1: yeah yeah it was you couldn't do anything outside during the day it was empty and you had had this plan to travel i had a
0: pretty clear vision where i wanted to go yeah i was on my way to go east because at this point you can't stay in this part of india in the Rajasthan area because it's pre-monsoon it's going to get really really hot and then it's going to start just bucketing rain yeah so most people it's already monsoon down south so you have to go either north you basically have to get to high country. Mm -hmm. So this is when people start going to the hill stations or they'll go to North India or they might go to Nepal. So that was my plan was we were going to go east across India to Darjeeling uh, because I just wanted to have some Darjeeling tea. It just sounded so romantic and (laughs) so great. You know, up in the hills in Darjeeling and just have some tea. So we were going to go there. And my eventual plan was I wanted to – I had already done a month-long trek in the Annapurna region of the Himalayas in Nepal, it was incredible. One of the highlights of my life, and I was going back to now do the Everest region, uh, which I had heard similar things about that it was definitely worth doing. And beyond that, I was going to fly to Sri Lanka, spend some time surfing. I wanted to do another vipassana, and. So, I, I had it pretty mapped out for the next, at least, I would say, three months, four months.
1: So, I can't I can't really remember. I had no maps, no plans, no nothing. Mm-hmm. You were talking
0: about going to Israel at the time.
1: It's true, actually, I was. Oh, man, I keep forgetting about that. Yeah, I think I had a plan to maybe go and live for three months in Israel uh, because I had a friend there and we were thinking about getting an apartment together and... Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about that. I forgot about that.
0: This was really unlike my nature because we had such a deep and instant connection on a very deep level. On like, you know, I'm hesitant to use this word because I'm fairly skeptical about the concept of a soul, but like a soulmate connection. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, usually in relationships, I'm pretty slow. (laughs) at this point i've had two relationships that i had for long periods of time where in in both of them i resisted moving in together both of them ended shortly after that Mm. uh but i i was pretty slow as far as relationships pretty cautious and even mentally like thinking about it but with you like i wrote in the journal i was i was skipping ahead really far Mm. In a way that I wasn't used to thinking about a relationship. And it it was crazy to me to think like that. But it was just happening. I was... And that was very different.
1: It, It all happened extremely fast. Like that entry you wrote was the fourth day after that night where we were alone for the first time and holding hands. And then we went on to spend a week, a beautiful week, just sheltered from the brutal sun inside and watching movies and having quality time together. And... Very quickly, we discussed about a lot of things. We talked about our financial situations, not, not necessarily numbers, but ballparks. Uh, we, you were telling me about your plans. I was telling you about mine, but I was also recognizing that at this point, my strongest feeling, I was traveling mainly by intuition and just what felt right. I didn't have, I had like ideas, but I didn't have a plan. Uh, and if, if i'd felt like it was a good idea to go back to israel really i would have gone but i met you and then the only feeling that i felt was uh well I'm, i i'm going to go where he goes as long as as long as this relationship feels good for both of us and as long as we keep connecting i don't see a reason why not to go and and i was not i was not thinking too far out personally i was more It's like, oh, no, I don't want to say goodbye today. Let's stay the day. Let's keep going together and just like almost hour by hour, you know.
0: That's the way we ended up taking it was step by step. And we had a we had a phrase which we don't really use very much anymore, but we were using quite a bit at the time, which is, all right, well, let's put it in the fire. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind that was, well, let's just jump into it and see if it survives. You know, with the idea of I think we've talked about this before, but of um, kind of like a forge. So, like the fire doing two things one, shaping and molding, and two, purifying. Mm-hmm. And let's not avoid the fire. I think both of us were in a very, like, no bullshit frame of mind, where it's like, I don't want to be disillusioned. So, let's seriously go into it. And if it crashes, it crashes. And then we know and we don't waste a bunch of time fooling ourselves that maybe it's going to work when it's not. So, we went into it very intensely. And one step at a time, we, I remember that was a mantra we kept every day. It was like, okay, let's just take this day, this day. Cause it was overwhelming.
1: Mm-hmm. It was. In the span of five days, you went from being a, a lonely traveler to someone who almost had a relationship that he wanted to, to, to maintain. Yeah. Where traveling. I can
0: seriously like already start thinking about getting married down there. And like, that was not my mode. That was a weird way of thinking. And it was, it was a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. and i I hadn't been in a relationship for two years Mm -hmm. at this point yeah so it was very intense love was in the air that week because i got a call from my brother at that time (laughs) And he told me he was planning to ask uh, his now wife to marry him.
1: Oh, man. Yes. And you talked to your mom. I remember.
0: I talked to my mom. She's very proud of this. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) I told her that week and I was very hesitant. I I remember being a bit uncomfortable about telling her, but I was like, I I don't, I have no idea what I said, but something along the lines of like, mom, I met a woman and don't get too excited. We're just going to travel together for a little while. You know, like we're taking it very slow mom knew right off the bat mom was hearing wedding bells she's like this is the one
1: <laughs> did she, she kn- tell it to you i don't phone, know if she
0: told me that day but i think day, she was yeah she, she in in her she had an intuition that this was the one she felt it i don't know if that was just wishful hoping or like thinking you know or oh yeah, I i think there was some women's intuition there
1: i don't think you gave a lot of context either because she told me later vague. she told me later that she thought i was indian <laughs> she didn't know like or like she didn't know where i was from
0: this this goes with my wishful thinking theory because i remember a couple of times she was saying oh maybe you'll go to india and you'll meet an indian woman you know <laughs> i think mom was creating this like vision she was hoping would happen for her <laughs> meeting
1: someone from a strange land and getting married and it
0: happened yeah and uh i don't either my mom hoped for it or uh she just had an intuition probably a bit of both i think so and it turned out to be true. And she, she's very proud of this, uh, this claim. She was the first to claim it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll give her credit for that. Yeah, she saw yeah. it before I did. Or Good be- job. she was willing to Say, embrace yeah. it and admit it before I was. Very
1: true. I think uh, one thing I will add on this putting it in the fire is uh, I was very overwhelmed by all the plans you were talking about. Like the trekking. and I, I don't even remember if you talked about wanting to go back and trek. But I think this was so far into the future for me and like everything can change in a day as we saw. And so you told me you wanted to go travel and you wanted to go uh, trek in the Everest region and then go to Sri Lanka. And I can't remember hearing any of this. I think I heard, hey, it's really hot here. Let's go somewhere cooler and... Why not go together because we're having such a good time?
0: It was very day by day. We were both free spirits. We were both independent travelers. And neither of us wanted to give that freedom up. And neither of us wanted to make major commitments. I remember I wrote something else down in my journal. Intentions, not plans.
1: Mm. We had intentions.
0: We were not making any plans. Neither of us. We both had a pretty, it's hard to say, other than intense approach to relationships. It was very free where it's like, okay, if you want to be here, you can be here. If Uh you want to leave, you can leave. And that's something that traveling does for relationships. Because unlike if you have a relationship in your hometown, you know, where you work and where you live, like they're there all the time. It's, there's an aspect of convenience. You, Mm -hmm. You have to make the decision to leave, not to stay together. Traveling You're forced to make the decision to stay together every day because Mm -hmm. you're going new places and you constantly have to say, do I want to go there? Because I could be going somewhere else. The decision is extremely active. Mm -hmm. And so it creates a very intense environment for the relationship. It's a very active environment. and. I don't think either of us wanted to get hurt or bogged down either. We were both having a great time. So it was very like, hey, if you want to be here today, great. Let's celebrate today. If you want to leave tomorrow, then leave tomorrow.
1: I was coming from a relationship where I left because I felt really trapped in a life that didn't feel like mine. And I just I felt really, really trapped. And I I had learned over the last year where I was single by myself um, was that I didn't want a relationship where that would be the case again. I wanted a relationship that included the idea that we were both human beings evolving and changing and that we don't know what the change and the evolving is going to be like. And I think still today this is like the approach that I have with our relationship which is hey let's it's not so it's not as much let's take it one day at a time because we have much more things that are intermingled and and our lives are much more enmeshed but I think it's still that same approach of like hey we're ever changing so
0: making space for change a lot of space for change respecting the other person's freedom and choice have always been really important to us And I think we were even a little bit more radical at the beginning when we were both independent and we were traveling. But I still think that we're on the more radical side of that spectrum. You know, it's one of my intentions every day is that, and I really have to watch myself around this, is that I don't want to be controlling either by by being too close and in that way too controlling or by being too distant from the relationship. And I remember thinking about that very early on is that I want to give a lot of space for you to be and for you to grow and for you to change. This was in the middle. I had taken a Vipassana course just previous to this. And one of the central insights, if not the central insight of Vipassana, is that uh, everything is impermanence. Everything is changing. And I think you were coming to that uh, insight in your own ways. And... So that was very influential on our approach. It was like, okay, everything is changing. Don't try to grasp and hold on to uh, impermanent forms.
1: Mm-hmm. I had suffered from that in, in my previous relationship where it felt like at some point... I had made the mistake of taking a picture of the relationship in like at day at one day and like putting that picture upon this on an imaginary wall and comparing every day to that picture and wanting every day to look like that instead of embracing embracing the fact that a relationship has uh, ebbs and flows you know it breathes in and out and and there's gonna be times where it's more. Uh, present and 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 fruitful and in times where it's more on my side and that was really hard to it, it was something I had been thinking about on a philosophical level and and with the relationships that I had that were very fleeting because we were both we were traveling but with you that also felt a bit felt scary because I realized like holy hell this could be something where I actually have to you know, it's like, oh, you've been talking a lot about that. Yeah, All now, right, now, 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 practice, now it. practice it, do it. And I remember thinking very early on that this relationship was going to require a lot of energy and that it was going to be really beautiful if we did give it a lot of energy to, fi- to figure out, but also that it was going to re- require a clear mind, very clear mind. And um, I think... That was partly the reason why I didn't want to hear about the uh, far off in the future plans because I was freaked out. You, you were talking about things that seemed very intense for me, and still to this day, you're you're uh, you're like the uh, how do you call the wagon that's in the front of a train? You know, the one that that like I'm
0: like the scout.
1: Yeah, you're just you're just like always out there exploring and then coming back and saying like, hey, I found this, let's go, and that. Uh, to me, it plays into this very hard tension that I'm managing constantly, which is my desire to explore and my desire to stay home and stay put and, and be be quiet. And I would never have done any of the things that we've done in, when we traveled if I'd been together. I probably would still be in Bundy. I would have come back to France, renewed my visa, come back. I mean, Yeah.
0: Like you said, we were both, we had both been burned in the past by having the possessive attitude toward our significant others. And we were both very conscious. We did not want to try to possess the other. We wanted to be individuals coming together and creating a third entity, basically, that which was the relationship, mm-hmm. which was something that was active. It was, And I still feel this way very strongly about how we relate, is that. We have not merged into one. And I don't want to merge into one. Uh, We've come from it as two individuals creating a third entity, uh, which is our relationship. And you said it earlier about how you recognize the creative potential in this relationship. And I also noticed that pretty early on and it's been beyond anything i've ever experienced in my life the things we've created i mean the the travels we've gone on this caravan the businesses in every aspect of our lives we've been wildly creative since meeting in a way that neither of us were before yeah and this attitude just it forces us to show up every day and like you said, have a clear mind and make the choice to show up every day. It's not a given, and and it's a very present relationship. It's a very demanding relationship, but it gives more than it requires. But it does require a lot. It requires a lot of energy.
1: It's something that I think I've. I, it's it's really interesting to reflect on this right now because I don't think we have done this in a long time to reflect this deeply on it and. I think from the moment I had met you, even before anything potentially remotely romantic would happen, I had this sense that, whoa, there's something important there, but it's also kind of scary. Like, the intensity of it is scary. I think something that you said is we don't want to merge, and it's something I have to watch myself for, because not only us, but the the cultures we're in tend to think this way and and I'm not this is not blaming on anyone it's just we're raised in a culture that oh when you get married it's 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 forever and you become kind of a unit or and all of this is sort of true but it's also something that I notice can have there's ways to interpret it that serve me more than than others and I always catch myself when I say we too often because I don't want to speak for you you're your own person and I want to honor that because that's the person that I'm in love with and that I love and that I want to foster is you and and who who you can become every day and and I feel like you do the same with me and it's been an incredibly freeing relationship around that
0: I think in a way I'm going to be clumsy around this but it's it's more I'm not absorbing your identity into my own identity. It's more, it's separate in in a way, Mm -hmm. like what we're creating together. And Mm. it's something we come to on a daily basis to create, but it's not me, it's not my identity. And I've had that problem in the past where I have fused my identity with someone else's. And then when they left, I mean, it would still be catastrophic. At this point, if you left, it would still be extremely hard. No doubt. There's no way that I'm insulated from that pain. But I still feel like my own person. And in the past, I've been lost in the identity of us or in the other person. And actually, recently, I've been reading a book called Owning Your Shadow by Robert Johnson. And he had a very interesting interpretation that, that was relevant to my experience with you. So he has this... He talks about how this romantic concept of love is really very new for us. And it's extremely powerful. And he kind of, so he says it comes from around the 12th century, which is when we started to take away the concept of love uh, from only the religious sphere to the individual sphere, Mm -hmm. where you could have the the idea of romantic love at all, which is basically the Middle Ages. And that when we did this, we kind of unhinged the power of the gods in a way where instead of having it stepped down, if you're thinking about like an electrical grid and stepping it down from the main power supply to something you can plug a socket into or plug your plug into, instead we're getting that direct line of voltage through this through uh, the romantic relationship. And it destroys a lot of people. We still haven't really figured out how to manage that. And he said something interesting around the lines of this, this falling in love experience is projecting the God within us on somebody else and mistaking that. Like, and, and that's not a healthy way to be because then you have these ex- extreme expectations on someone who's not a God, or at least not your God. And it's a distortion, I remember noticing that when I met you, and I'm not even sure we were romantically involved at this point, but the first week, I remember noticing that you were very numinous. You like kind of had an aura to you in a way that I would say was you felt a bit godlike. Mm. You really did. And I remember being a bit enraptured by that, like your charisma, the, the way you laughed and all these things. And, and I remember thinking at the time, like, man, this... I, I felt like I could see the divine feminine in you. I find this a very interesting interpretation that Robert Johnson has about how in those moments when we have those kind of fallings or whatnot, we're projecting our own God powers, our own my own feminine onto you. I think that is probably true to some extent.
1: Thanks for sharing that. It sparks something for me around... The difference between being in love and loving, or that it's very, for me, it's very different. And I realized what you're saying—that falling in love is almost an involuntary act. I don't think we chose to fall in love with each other. And that was the moment where I realized I needed a clear mind for this relationship, and that that meant a lot of decisions had to be made for me. And and I was asked the question, like, are you? Are you going to do this or are you going to chicken out and and like continue your hiding and your numbing i think loving is an action it's something that requires presence i can't remember the definition that uh, m scott peck has he uh he wrote about it in the road less traveled i think where he he says something like Loving someone is, love is supporting someone to be the best version that they can be, no matter what that means. And I'm paraphrasing badly, probably. But that's, that's what I remember from the, from the definition that he gave. And that means that it's a very active thing to love. It's not just something like, oh, we live together and so we love each other. It's, it's sometimes it's hard because it means, doing things that are are challenging for me or confronting myself to parts of me that are being challenged. And I think what you're saying just makes me think about that shift that happened when we decided to leave Bundy and go to Darjeeling together, which was, okay, we had been in love, we we had fallen in love, and that was the easy part because we did not decide on it. Yeah, it was was involuntary. Yeah, but then leaving meant and I I think both separately we wrote about this at the time was leaving was taking a big step in a direction that felt unknown scary and that felt like it was gonna disrupt a lot of things
0: it was a commitment and even though we talk about falling in love that week and I, I definitely think we had a falling in love phase I never lost myself the way that I have in the past and I was very intentional about that I, I took a lot of effort, but I was also I, there was never that love drunk period, and I was very, very intentional on not letting that happen. I didn't really want to lose control like that, mm. uh, although it was amazing. And I would kind of let myself experience those moments. I wasn't limiting our experience, but I was also checking myself when I wasn't with you and 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 trying to gain some control.
1: Yeah, I appreciated that because uh, I, I think I did not have as much control as you over that. And I think I did forget a lot about myself in, in the process uh, of falling in love with you. Which which yes, is
0: probably yeah. why you agreed to do what you did after. So uh, Yes. <laughs> we decided to leave Boondi. Yeah. And we needed to take a train across the country. We needed to take a bus first. But... Like tra- a
1: five-hour bus and a 40-hour train.
0: Yeah. And train rides in India are an adventure on their own. They are amazing. So much fun. It's one of my, my favorite things to do in India is just take trains. Yeah. And they have sleeper bunks and life is just going on in the train. People are coming down the aisles trying selling you stuff and food. You're seeing all these... Strange, interesting locations like villages uh, you never go to, just beautiful landscapes, and you just have the hypnotic ticking of the railway track all the time. And you sleep, and you wake up, and there's something about movement, Mm. just moving on a track that is so comforting. And knowing that you're going to a destination, and that you can't do anything, you're on this train, like you're outside of time, almost. You're not. You've left there but you're not here yeah and and you're just outside and there's nothing you can do it's like it's a wonderful mental break i'm off i'm often very creative and productive on train rides as well and i think you know i've read a lot of traveler accounts i have yet to find anyone whose favorite mode of transportation is not trains yeah it is such a great way to travel
1: it's so amazing you just like Plus, we got the top bunks because I knew they were the best ones. I think you knew too, but we we, we did that because then we're not in the chaos of the bottom because...
0: There, yeah, there's three bunks on the walls. Yes. And so if you get the top one, you can be above it.
1: Yes, yes, because otherwise... Uh, the middle bunk has to fold during the day most of the time, so people can like sit under, and it's it's very it's very it can get very intense. So this is what this was a great way, and you're lying on your bunk all day, and then just people come by with food, peas peanuts chai. chai water everything like books everything you could ever want and it's it's so full of life it, people get on and get off it's amazing you meet
0: interesting characters too at this time and you have some time to get to know them yeah. on the train we played cards most of the time yeah. and or we would read sometimes i would write or maybe call a friend and then whenever you wanted to you could go to the end of the carriage and the, there were no doors on the very end so you could just sit with your feet hanging off the edge of the train and watch the world go by yeah and you'd go by rice paddies and you know we'd start in Rajasthan so it was very like desert-like and barren and dry and then as we start going east closer and closer to Darjeeling it's starting to get greener there's palm trees all sorts of different farmland you go through villages you see people walking on the side of the road and It's just such an adventure. I love it. So we did that. So two weeks after we met, we go on a 40-hour train ride together. <laughs> it was great.
1: We it was amazing. Fun. We had a lot of fun. And we arrived in the Darjeeling area, but the train station doesn't go all the way to Darjeeling because it's the, it's a hill station. So you, we had to take a jeep from where we were to there. It was pretty, it's like almost three days of traveling nonstop. When we yeah. got to a guest house in Darjeeling, I think we were both really, really happy uh and
0: if visually we had traveled from the far west of india to the far east of india
1: yeah and it so was so the culture so has
0: completely transformed
1: completely, it's not the same place yeah it was they so much more language. like th- tibet almost you know like yeah. it was way more the buddhist
0: influence had come yes. in at this point
1: uh it was intense that we were in the same country but that it looked it, it looked and felt and was so much more different asian yes yes very much Yeah, I loved that we were in the mountains and that we could have misty time. And we needed to put sweaters on again. It was amazing.
0: And we started getting our first views of 8,000 meter peaks in the Himalayas. Occasionally, when it was clear, we walked all the way through town. Almost everywhere was booked. And this was our strategy, or at least my strategy, almost everywhere I went. Is I never booked anything in advance. Oh, yeah. Because one, you're going to overpay on the internet, and two, the internet doesn't reflect reality a lot very well, so you'll get somewhere that's not very great location-wise or whatnot. I always found it better to just land and start knocking on places, and usually what I would do is I would walk out of town in a direction and find one of the places on the outskirts, which are always cheaper, always more interesting, both the hosts and the travelers, and just generally nicer, and that way you avoid the hostile scene which is, you know, a bunch of young kids partying during their gap year, and uh, stuff like that.
1: Plus, Darjeeling was a hill station for rich Indians. Oh, it's so... such a funky
0: place. It's, a, it's ah, like a very sorry. westernized place. And we're in like peak season because as soon as it gets really, really hot, everyone starts flocking, everyone who can afford it starts flocking up to the hills. And Darjeeling is one of the most famous of the hill stations. And it's weird because it's Indian trying to be Western. It's like, this is where Bollywood movies are filmed. Uh-huh. So, and one was being filmed while we were in town.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember that.
0: Yeah, there was one being filmed during while we were there. <laughs> and so this is their version of Hollywood. And it's trying to be very Western. It's really strange because it's like, this is India, but it has a very like, capitalist Western feel to it. We ended up staying there for a month. We found a grandma and grandpa that were very hospitable and gave us a beautiful room in their yeah. In their that house. room
1: was beautiful. Would serve
0: us tea in the mornings, and we just took it easy for a while. Uh, we were reading. I was I was writing a lot, and
1: just. I got sick. I got really really sick.
0: You, I still don't understand. You you insisted on just drinking the water there i was sterilizing everything before drinking i kept telling you like that's a bad idea but you would go into the grimiest cafes and just get a pitcher of water and drink it and i don't know what your mindset on that was but i was like and finally It didn't work out for you, and you got violently sick.
1: It only takes one time where you get violently sick, and then you never do it again, and you learn your lesson. I had already been violently
0: sick twice in India by that point.
1: Yeah, and I hadn't at all. I had been fine everywhere I drank, so I think that was my motto. And, And I didn't want... I didn't have a sterilizer before I met you. You had one, I didn't. And I did not want to buy plastic bottles. I was not gonna do this i was gonna i i I, no 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 (laughs) so
0: this gives you kind of a perspective of the different ways of traveling i had thought about traveling in india for like a year before i had the sterilizer i was all prepared i had all the stuff i needed that would just like would get me through it you had just flown there on a whim and we're drinking the tap water.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was uh I was well, Yeah, we were very different sorts of traveler. You yep. were so prepared like your entire wardrobe was so thought out Utilitarian. everything yeah and great looking. I looked like a bum. Honestly, I don't even know <laughs> with the shaved hair and the and the, the loose t-shirts and the I looked like a bum, really.
0: Sometimes I wondered what I was doing. You know, I was like, well, I'm with this this French bum with a shaved head—you know—it's just like, you know, you just have those moments in in your life where you're just like, "This is my life," you know. Where yes. you're like, if if I was five years ago, if you told me I would be in an Indian hill town with a European with a shaved head, like having a romance and trekking through the hills, I'd be like, "What are you smoking? That's not going to happen," you know. It's crazy. I don't even like chicks with bald heads. I'd never do that. <laughs> and here I am, you know.
1: I know. It was uh, it was really strange in a lot of ways.
0: It was strange. And so it was fitting we were in Darjeeling, which is such a strange place. <sighs> yeah. The food there is great, though.
1: Oh, my God. There was a restaurant in town called Hasty Tasty. It was right across from Himalayan Java Cafe, which was Himalayan Java Cafe, had overpriced coffee with great internet. But which great was... coffee.
0: And that—that that is not something you can go... You can go hundreds of miles in India and not find coffee at all other than, like, that crappy Nescafe stuff. stuff. And they had a great Americano.
1: Now, we were were spending a lot of time there uh, writing. I was getting my act together. I was becoming less and less like a bum. I think when you met, when I met you, I was in a very strange place. I'm... I'm still the same person, but I'm very different than at that time. I look at pictures and I'm I'm shocked or not shocked, kind of, but surprised that, that my life was ever so different and my mindset was also different. I, I was very, yeah, I was trying things on.
0: We were also preparing for a trek. So we thought, and this was smart, I think, we thought we'd start things off with a, a short week-long trek trek short by our standards week-long trek in the lesser himalayas so it was on the border of nepal and india through the hills there we call them hills they were mountains (laughs) yeah and so we were preparing that for the first three weeks and really we needed the weather to get a little bit better before we could do it it was rainy and pretty foggy so we were just taking our time waiting for good weather to show up and starting to buy gear, you had no trekking gear. You'd never trekked a day in your life. This was totally new for you.
1: I trekked when I was a kid, but since then, nothing. But I had done, like, my mom was pretty into hiking and trekking when we lived in Reunion Island, and I'd done that. But, like, for the last 15 years, nothing. And
0: to paint the contrast, I'm in full, like, trekking mode at this point. I have been trekking everywhere I've been going, and most of the time alone, through mountains in Romania, in Georgia, in the Himalayas. I was a pretty intense trekker at this point, and I just finished my first month-long trek. I was
1: really afraid of going to trek with you, I remember. I was feeling really self-conscious about, like... I was like, is this going to be a deal-breaker if I'm not a good trekker? Is Alistair going to leave me? Is You know, I, was, I had this this uh, this mental speech in my head, and that first trek was really hard It kicked my butt
0: yeah in a you, lot
1: of ways it does it well
0: does. you you had what happens for a lot on their first track and it happened for me uh, my first track was in Scotland on the West Highland way and I loved it I had a great time and I was blazing through uh, there were some weather issues there too and I, there was snow and I was a bit worried so I at one point like day two or day three I was doing over 20 miles. I'd gone from never trekking before to doing over 20 miles. Classic amateur uh, mistake. <laughs> you get really pumped about it. You start doing that and you don't think about your feet. And also,
1: I had new shoes because, yeah. as you said, I had no gear. So, thankfully, the good thing about this, though, is that I was able to buy all pretty good quality gear for almost nothing because this was India.
0: Yeah, and, and Darjeeling actually had some good trekking gear. Yes. When I was in Scotland, I ended up in the ER because of that situation. Uh, wow or urgent care it wasn't the emergency room it was urgent care because i had basically walked my feet off i was in screaming pain by the end of it i couldn't even take a step i was walking like a hobbled man uh like like it was almost impossible i was watching walking pigeon foot to try to walk on the parts of my foot that weren't blistering with pain i went to urgent care he gave me painkillers and then he just told me the best thing you can do is go soak your feet in the lock which is what they, the word they use for lake because it's salty water i think and uh so they had me so i had to go down and dip my feet in the freezing lake and sit in a hostel for a few days until i could walk again Oh my god! you had your version of that on the first couple of days of the trek you started getting pretty bad blisters we we had to hire a guide uh, totally unnecessary but it was a stupid indian rule for that area yeah And so we hired a guide and we went with a couple other travelers to split the cost of the guide. And it was was pleasant. It was nice. We were walking on a road most of the time. And so for me, where I was navigating, you know, mountains and sometimes at some points walking through forests without trails. uh, To go to walking a road where I was watching, you know, uh, jeeps full of Indians like drive up to the top spend one day at the top and drive down yeah, yeah yeah it was kind of irritating
1: it was it got better after the first the first day because we we then we got into some trails and we got yeah. a little bit lost it was really hard for me like psychologically even more so than physically it was it was just brutal also because i don't think it I th- I think I didn't have as good a reason as you did to go trekking. I wasn't really sure why I was going to trek besides, like, Alistair's doing it, so might as well just go. And I, I think I saw that there was a growth opportunity for myself, but I knew it was going to kick my butt, and it it, it did. It you, was really hard. You're
0: a sucker for growth, though. You That's, do things that you don't want to do because you think it will be good for you, and I yes, admire that. yes. Those first few days turned into kind of therapy sessions.
1: They originally. were, they were. I, I, we would, we would, uh, we stopped one one day. We had a short day, and we had the afternoon off. And we, were was so excited to take a nap and like regroup and, st- and And like I, we had a conversation, and I told you a lot of things, and you you held me, and I cried, and it it was really helpful. I think it was. At that time, I had no idea who I was and how I really functioned, and and that's what I learned through trekking. And it, our relationship created a safe space for that to unfold for me. I think
0: trekking was brilliant because it was for it. You spend all your time with the other person, and you see them. You know, over the course of a day, you're going to have a lot of different moods when you're trekking, and you're going to be vulnerable to them. Mm-hmm. You can't like. There's no willpower. You can't willpower your way out of these you know or you can't save them for later to have on your own you're with them all day and it's taxing and i think this this was great for us because we got to know a lot of different sides of each other and see how we kind of work together it was very challenging but it was very illuminating we got a peek at each other we got to know each other very quickly in a very direct way. If you want to get to know someone, go trek with them. Because nothing... I mean, you're, you're, you're going to the bathroom off the trail. Like, yeah. you know, you're eating the same things. It, I mean, it's you're going to have a very intimate relationship with them. And that really helped. I really think that trekking had a lot to do with, like, kind of creating a foundation for us. And yeah. this is only the beginning. Because after this trek, which will be the next episode... We ended up doing a serious like this was this was training wheels compared to what we ended up doing next, which was trek through the Himalayas with a really shoddy map in a one-man tent.
1: yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, it's
0: <laughs> the stories on that are spectacular. I can't it, wait to get to it.
1: I, I'm so excited to be able to share it.
0: The views were not that great, also on this trek. We were still a little bit early in the season. So, the Himalayas have two good trekking seasons. There are there's the glorious fall. We're talking probably October, November, early December. This is when I trek the Annapurna region and you're talking perfect weather just pristinely clear. Just views as far as you can see. It's incredible. But the Himalayas also have a second smaller season in the spring. Uh, which is a little shakier. It's a little more, it's more wet and you don't have as good of clarity and and you can't always, it's not always as clear, but it can also be pretty good. And that's when we're doing this trek. We're actually doing it a little bit early because we really want to get into Nepal and do it in a big way in the Himalayas. So this is a warm-up one and it's a bit before the season so we're getting a lot of clouds we're also lower down so there's more moisture
1: it was rhododendron season remember
0: yes i forgot about that and magnolia season Mm -hmm. in the himalayas the lesser himalayas are famous for their rhododendron blooms and you just have the the hills covered in like what looks like fireworks of pinks and reds and cherry colors and then offset by white magnolias Mm -hmm. it's amazing it's yeah. beautiful just massive rhododendum trees it's
1: funny that what you said about the trek being like not as great as it, like you not enjoying the trek very much i feel like i did after... i did
0: enjoy it i'm just the yeah. the views just weren't as i mean i had seen the annapurna region in its glory that's
1: the thing and i think maybe it's it's interesting that for me this was my first time trekking in in a setting like that and i remember being after the last couple of days where I had to go over, break through from the pain and and the psychological difficulties that I had. But I thought that like two or three days in, we were having glorious days. And we were like walking through three, four different sorts of landscape in the same day. Um, it was great. It was really great. I loved it a lot.
0: There were some magical times. Uh, It was, it was beautiful. It's just that once, once you've been into the proper Himalayas, and it had been so fresh for me that uh, it's, it's a measuring stick that is absolutely unfair to everyone (laughs) else. This was still an amazing place. It was a great trek. And you were doing it for your, you had never trekked before. This was a week long trek, which is a long time to do your first one through a pretty remote area and with all new gear. Yeah. It was crazy that
1: you... And with a new boyfriend that I was trying to, like, <laughs> sort of impress. or uh, it, it, was, it was... I think that was the hardest thing for me. And it's, it's, it was very interesting to work through this.
0: Maybe to, to wrap up, because there was one major highlight of this trek that was grade A. Ugh. It was amazing. So at the end of the trek, we descended through bamboo forests, in a hailstorm uh-huh. and came upon the ideal village of Gorky. So basically, imagine this you're going through thick rainforest, like bamboo and just super green, and hail coming down for a couple of hours. Uh, one of the women we were walking with hurt her ankle pretty bad on there because it was super muddy and we were going downhill and you get out of the forest, the hail stops, the clouds just magically part, and we're looking down at the lushest, most beautiful valley, and it looked like the hobbits. It looked like where the hobbits lived. There were like beautiful winding trails through really, really abundant green fields. There were animals running around everywhere. There's these beautiful like kind of thatch Uh, huts and and you know with the chimney stacks and the town was split over like kind of a a bridge that went over it was a place where the river met in three ways it it met two ways coming down joined and went a third way going out and the town was built on the two of the sections and it was incredible it was jaw-dropping stunning and it was so remote this was this was a few days walk to the nearest road.
1: It was amazing. We came down and we went to a place to sleep and we hadn't heard about this place. We had gotten our hands on a on a piece of paper written by other travelers about this trek and they were saying like, Gorky is really cool. We, sped, we spent three days there. and so, so when we got there, I was in awe. We arrived... And everyone was growing their own food. They had goats and chickens. Completely sustainable.
0: And... Nothing from the outside, really. Yeah, Because yeah, Any, if a anything, lot. anything had to walk a full day, at least, from the nearest road. And that road was four or five hellish hours of windy mountain roads to get to, for example, to get to Darjeeling. It was really inaccessible.
1: Yeah, and we had this beautiful little bedroom and a proper toilet i didn't even know how they got that like a western style toilet and the food they would make us potatoes with the potatoes from their garden and peas and greens and in the morning i would go and pet the goats and we bathed in the river that was coming down from the glacier and it was so cold and so amazing and so refreshing
0: it was this little oasis in, that was pristine in the middle of the wild Himalayas. And you had the, ma- the majestic mountains like in, surrounding it mm-hmm. and forests going up every side. And you see the clouds coming through the forests on the hills. And it was just this paradise in the middle. It was incredible. I, I, you can't describe it. I, it really was like the Shire. That's really what it felt like. And we stayed there for three three days. days. Because, man, I would never have left if... I think the only reason we left is we didn't have enough reading and writing material <laughs> to stay longer. Otherwise, we would have.
1: We were sad to leave, too, because we knew that this is probably a place we're never going back to. We'll
0: never get back there, yeah. It's we're, it's hard you, to
1: hear you say it. You know we're never going back to Gorky.
0: I know. It's one of the highlights. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. And it's probably one of the most... It is, if you just imagine, like, getting to India is is tough enough. Getting to Darjeeling, Darjeeling is pretty remote. Then getting to this trekking area is brutal. It's it's a it's a day's trip from Darjeeling, and then getting to Gorky, in the most direct way possible, is a full day's walk. And for us, it had been five days over from the ridge. It's a place that would take you, starting in the U.S., it's a place that would take you two three weeks to get to.
1: Yeah, yeah gorky
0: you know one thing that was sad as we were walking out so we're walking out through the lesser himalayas and these mountains are stunning these are like those kind of nepalese mountains that you see in pictures they're super green they sometimes are terraced with uh fields because there'll be small um, maybe a couple people living there on the side of the mountain super remote and uh, they're absolutely gorgeous, and it's just very fresh, very green, very vibrant, very alive. All sorts of uh, plants, just interesting insects and animals. It's it's magical. It's You're there, and you're just, ah! It's just <laughs> like you're in the moment. You can't not be. And it was a bit sad because we were walking out, and the day we were walking out, we at the end of it, we started getting on a rough road they were starting to build a road to gorky yeah and it's like that's the beginning of the end it, you know as soon as that comes whether it be the travelers or whether it be the west had not hit this town or this little village it's not a town it was a village and everyone was super friendly and and just it was very very insulated and it was sad to see i you can understand it's it's that conflict it's a conflict, it's, yeah it's like, well, who am I like it doesn't matter what I think. I mean they need a hospital care and they want education for their children they it's gonna it's gonna improve their life, um but it's also a bit sad to see because you know it's the end of uh the kind of almost almost untouched culture that it had, so we got back to the road, we stayed at a really nice place uh and we're still at a very remote place i mean it has a road but it's not like very many people take it and then i got so sick on the the road back we were in a jeep and it's a packed jeep
1: oh yes oh my god yes and
0: we're going through the the mountains so the only way you can go anywhere in this area in nepal it's like you can't go straight Because you're on massive mountains. So you have to wind around the mountains and most of the time down to the river, cross the river, and then wind back up the other way. It's hellish. And I was blue in the face. I was so sick. Yeah, you And it's weren't like feeling five good. hours and they don't and it's bumpy. It's not like the road's good. It's super bumpy. It's super windy. And it's
1: like a five person Jeep and we're like eight. And or they're nine blasting
0: and they're blasting Indian music at, and the driver's kind of reckless and oh my god, I was so sick. My boo.
1: We made it to Darjeeling, though. I mean, we got stuck in traffic on the entrance of Darjeeling because it was, like, a Monday. or I don't know. People were getting there. It was the beginning of a week of holidays. But we got back. We got back to our guest house. We got back to Sonam's Kitchen where we were having all our breakfasts. Uh, They served
0: Western food there. So we would have, like, hash browns and eggs. And, oh, it was so good. Omelettes.
1: And we also got back to Hasty Tasty that I briefly mentioned earlier, but I couldn't like expand on. Just imagine the largest Indian food menu you you've ever had to choose from, but the best food you've ever had. And it
0: comes out oh. in like five minutes.
1: Seriously, I used to go. I remember Baji or not Pau <laughs> You I know you I couldn't, couldn't have it. it. At the time I, I I was I was still eating gluten more, and it was like this hamburger bun almost with with melted with oil or like melted butter on top. I don't think it was butter because I didn't have that, but like oil on top. So imagine the most greasy little burger bun that you can imagine, perfectly toasted. and on the side was like a doll that was cooked to perfection and so i i can't remember how people ate it but i ate it as if you it was a it was a hamburger so i like slathered the doll onto it closed the bun and had it people were looking at me weird and i mean really, i don't know i don't think that was the way to eat it but the food in darjeeling might be the only reason why i want to go back there. that's
0: why we stayed there so long
1: <laughs> it's true <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, so that was our first trek. It went more or less successfully. You were hooked at this point, and
1: I bought really... more gear on the way. On, on yeah, on when we were in the yeah, run, like... and
0: then our sights started to turn to Everest. But how that happened is a story for another time.
1: Well, thank you for listening.
0: Yes, thank you so much.
1: It's a pleasure to be able to tell this story.
0: It's amazing to tell it in its full length, because I'm not sure we've ever done that before. Yeah. We've never had an opportunity to, and it's a lot of fun to dive into. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, it's a series that's going to go on for a little while at this point, because
1: <laughs> we always
0: have an aim for where we want to go, and then we realize there's so much that happens, that, like so many bypasses that We end up uh, not quite getting as far as we thought we would.
1: We hope you enjoyed it. And if you have been loving the podcast, if you have been listening to us and you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes.
0: Pretty please. It it is really, really helpful for us. Yeah,
1: you have no idea how much that actually helps us get out to more people, which is ultimately what we want to do. And while you're over on iTunes, if you haven't, that yet just hit subscribe and follow us so this way you get us every week
0: if you want to see the show notes we post them every week at the same place the fireoutpodcast.com so just go there and uh, we'd love it if you'd share it with others that might enjoy this conversation yeah. we'd like to create a little tribe here make it a little little community and we'd like your help bringing in the right people
1: yeah yeah toodles
0: toodles